0: what's up everybody and welcome to the preach christ podcast i'm your host norris johnson ii and this is our very first episode of the preach Christ podcast. I am so excited that you are here and I pray that you enjoy the content. I want you to share it. I want you to subscribe and I want you to let everybody know that we are on. It's been a long time coming, but we are excited and I know we have some good content going on over here. Um, Again, my name is Norris Johnson second For all of you that don't know, since this is the first episode, I kind of want to give you a little backdrop of myself and who I am. I am 26 years old. I am from the cold and sunny state of Wisconsin. Um, And I live in Racine, Wisconsin, which is about 10 minutes from Kenosha, Wisconsin, and about 30 minutes from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, if you know any of those places. Uh, I have been in ministry since I was 18 years old. That's right. I've been preaching since I was 18 years old. I'm 26 now. And um, yeah, I've just been speaking and Uh, motivationally, uh, ministerially, uh, in different ways. Um, I've also been in education for four years now. Uh, I started out as a mentor in a high school, and I moved to um, uh, elementary slash middle school, and I have been a teacher there, really a teacher assistant, but the last two years, or my first two years, I was um, actually the teacher, and so uh, (laughs) leading that, but now I am back in my proper function as a teacher assistant, but I still educate and still teach the kids on the Bible and different things of that nature. And uh, this has been my life, man. I just have a heart and I have a desire for people to know Jesus Christ in His purest form, the simplicity of Him, the beauty of Him, um, and to and to really understand and tackle topics from a Christ-centered point of view. I feel like Christianity in America has just put a bad taste in people's mouths, and I think people don't really have the right idea. Of what Christianity is, a lot of times, and um, when it when we come to certain topics, I think that we don't get the proper perspective on those topics. So, I want to open up this platform, uh, this Preach Christ podcast, to uh, kind of tackle all types of different topics from a Christocentric point of view, and to uh, bring on different guests, bring on different people, get different points of view, get different uh, 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 worldviews, and see and see how um, we can filter that through the filter of Christ. Um, And, you know, me titling this preach Christ is not some religious, not some, you know, just some just just some type of thing that I'm doing. Um, I don't I don't want you to think about somebody grabbing a microphone and screaming and breathing real hard into the mic. Uh, But when I say preach, the word preach means to proclaim. And I simply am saying to proclaim Christ and you do that with the way you parent, you do that with the way you talk to a stranger on the street, you do that with the way you wash dishes, grocery shop. Your life can proclaim Christ and that's my goal with this here podcast and I pray that the content blesses you and helps you in some way shape or form. Now, guys, um for today's topic and um kind of kind of just what I felt like the Lord just wanted me to share today. There was a message I preached about two weeks ago. And if you follow my YouTube channel, uh, which is Norris Johnson II, the second is II, if you don't know. And that's my that's my handle on everything. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything. It's Norris Johnson II, Norris Johnson II. Um, but if you follow my YouTube channel, on my YouTube, I posted the message that I preach. It's called, um, I Thought I Loved You. I thought I loved you. And that, and that was in and of itself, almost a controversial topic for some people. They're like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? But the basis of that whole message was that you need God to love God. You need God in order to love God. Um, And (laughs) the reason why I felt like that was important is because I see in our Christian walk and, and in what is put out that we live our Christian life based on a lot of do's and don'ts. Don't do this. Don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't fornicate. Don't, don't do whatever, or do this. Pray every day, read your Bible, uh, uh, wake up, go to sleep, you know, whatever. And you know, when we do that, it's almost like we think that when we get saved or when we accept Jesus Christ, if that's, if that's something you've done, uh, when we accept Jesus Christ what we do is what we do is he brings us into this life and then it's like he throws us into this valley of relationship and says figure it out figure it out do it yourself and we turn Christianity into behavior modification like stop doing these things and you know quit this stuff but Christianity is so much more than behavior modification. And I want to even suggest the fact that it is not behavior modification, that it is not just stop doing all the things that you were doing before. It is an invitation into a relationship with an infinite, beautiful, majestic, breathtaking, mind, literally mind-blowing God. And when we come into relationship He doesn't want us to be in relationship, figuring out how to please him. He wants to help us to do the things that please him. The Bible says in uh, Philippians, and I believe it's chapter two, verse 13, could be wrong, could be right. It's It's in Philippians, but it says it is God in us working in us, both the will and the to do of his good pleasure. Basically what that's saying is it's God in you helping you to want to do the right thing and to do the right thing. Like he helps us, he builds us, and he's what makes us love him. Like we need him in order to love him. There was nothing that you ever did, and I know you probably heard this before. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. know. But hear it again. There was nothing that you ever did (laughs) to merit the love of God. There was nothing that you ever did that made God look down at you skip past Sue, skip past Sally, look over Mary, swing past Bobby, hook around Jerome and say, you know what? This person is a really good person and I'm going to pick them. There was nothing you did that merited that. The Bible says in Ephesians that it was no goodness of our own, but it was the grace of God that saved us. There was nothing you did that pleased God so much that made him say, "You know what? I love them." God loved you at your dirtiest. As a matter of fact, I want to I want to I want to even put in this thought in your mind that on the contrary, it was nothing you did that was so pleasing to God that he saved you above anybody else. On the contrary, you've done everything possible to Give God a reason to never pick you, <laughs> to never want to be with you, to never want to choose you. Our whole lives, the Bible says that we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Our whole lives, because of the fall of Adam, and one day one day I, I, I'll explain that, our whole lives have been shaped around us not pleasing God. Everything we've done, we've, we've only known sin. Like Before you came into the knowledge of who Jesus was, you lived a life of sin. And that life of sin was breeded from a place of unbelief and it was breeded from a place of dependence. You, I mean, uh, uh, independence. You wanted to be independent of God. You wanted your life to be separate from him. You wanted to do things and live the way that you want to live. This is why I believe that many people don't actually believe in God or don't want to believe in God. Even if, the, even if God was real, you know, you know, you know, you could argue with an atheist, but then ask them the question, OK, if if all of the stuff I'm saying is real, would you serve God? A lot of them would still say no, because they don't want it to be real. The reason why they don't want it to be real is because if God is in, is in fact real, I'm going to have to do the stuff that he's telling me to do. If if in fact he's real, he's coming with. With with a standard. And I don't want to have to submit my life or yield my life to that. Um, I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't want to have to give my life over to that. And so and so, you know, all we've known is sin. All we've known is independence. And God wants to bring us to a place of dependence where we are so dependent on him, where we are so um, given over to him where we understand that it's literally in him that we live, move, and have our being. God wants us to get to that place. And because before you were saved, you weren't at that place, you lived a life that was not pleasing to God. Like you came out the womb sinful. For an example, you know, if you think about a baby, a baby is a baby. I, I know that's groundbreaking and you probably never heard that before, but check it out. A baby is a baby. Babies don't know, babies don't have a clue, babies don't know how to read, they don't know how to talk a lot of times, whatever. Say you got a one-year-old child that walks up to, you know, his mama's cookie cupboard, and he takes the cookie, and he eats the cookie. He eats the cookie very well, you know, he eats it and gets crumbs and chocolate smeared all over his face and all those things, and the mother walks up to him while he's eating the cookie, turns him around and says, Bobby, did you eat that cookie? All of us know that the first thing Bobby is going to do is shake his head no as his fat cheeks wobble and wobble and wobble. Now, Bobby has not been to lying classes. Bobby has not taken lying seminars. Bobby has not read a book, 101 Ways to Lie to Your Mom About Cookies. Bobby just instinctively knew how to lie. Bobby instinctively knew how to sin. Bobby instinctively went to sin before he went to the right thing. He instinctively went to a lie before he went to truth because it's in our nature to sin. And so when Jesus comes and we accept him, we get with him, we come into a new knowledge. Our sin is recognized. We recognize, Hey, I have not been living the way that is pleasing to him. I have not, I have not given myself over to him. We recognize that. But now God doesn't leave us at that place of recognition. He doesn't leave us at that place of just realizing we're jacked up. We're messed up. He gives us a way out. That way is not just forgiveness, but that way is now his Holy Spirit, his spirit coming into you, waking up your spirit and helping you to live the life that that is pleasing to him. God doesn't just want to tell you you're jacked up and then not help you get through it. And so when Adam and Eve fell, they fell. They didn't have God in them. They had God walking around them, but they didn't have God in them. God sends Jesus and Jesus comes down the line. And the Bible says that at the fullness of time, God revealed his son. At the fullness of time, God revealed Jesus. Jesus comes. And when Jesus comes, all of life is like now it's, 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 it's almost like, you know, you know, when the Bible says that at the fullness of time, Jesus came, it's like time had gotten pregnant enough. Like like the times were perfectly set up for Jesus to now enter into the world, because now by this time, mankind has realized they can never be good in and of themselves. They have realized that like nothing that they do. uh Oh, might kind of fail. Nothing that they do will be pleasing to God. Nothing that they do, nothing that they do can 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 make them right, can make them perfect. And so God sent his son to come and live a perfect life and teach us how to do that. Teach us how to live perfectly. But he came to show us the fact that I'm here to help you. I'm here to walk this out with you. And I just think this is an important message because we feel like in Christianity we're just called to just do this thing on our own and like and like we have to figure it out and like people tell you all the time stop doing this, leave that man come out of that relationship don't do this, don't do that but they never tell you how you know my testimony was that I was addicted to drugs since I was 16 years old I started preaching at 18 I just told you that and I didn't, I didn't get off of those drugs I didn't break and kick that habit until I was 22 years old And so I was preaching the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, traveling around the world and smoking weed every day, traveling around the world and sleeping with the girls that came to the altar call. Uh Uh-oh. So, you know, in in not doing that just to, (laughs) I could tell I'm already going to get in trouble with this podcast. Not, not, Not just doing that, you know, just out of just me wanting to do something evil and wanting to be wrong and thinking I can get away with it, thinking I can play with God. I cried my eyes out every time before I had to minister. I was messed up, but I didn't know that God wanted to help me. I thought that I just had to please him. I didn't know that God was actually in me, helping me to live a life that I cannot live on my own. I thought I had to figure it out. I thought it was get saved and figure it out. But the beauty of this thing, this this relationship, this walk, this Christian lifestyle is that Jesus wants to get inside of you and show you how to live the life that he lived while he was on this earth, a perfect life. And so when he comes to earth, we know that he picks these disciples and he comes and he basically shows the world he is God. Now, whether you believe in God or not, Jesus is a historical fact. Fact amundo. He is a historical fact. He was really here. The thing that's up for debate is was he born of a virgin? One. Two, was uh, 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 when he died, did he get his self back up? Or was his body stolen? If, in fact, both of those things are true, he is God. That's just what that is. Let's just leave that there and let's continue our discussion. Jesus comes and he does all this outlandish stuff and shows that he's God. He's getting people up from the dead. He's taking money out of fish's mouths and feeding uh, uh, and paying for his taxes and his disciples. He is feeding 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. He is uh, walking on water. He is telling entire hurricanes and storms to shut up and they're shutting up. He is doing a whole lot that we never thought could be done. He's showing that he's God. And when he does this, he picks these disciples. He picks Peter. He picks Andrew. He picks John. He picks all the disciples. And his most boisterous disciple, his most, uh, it would seem, ride or die-ish disciple is Peter. Peter is... If you actually study history, you find out that the disciples were not grown men when Jesus picked them. The disciples were actually teenagers. Like John was a, was a, was, a, was a young boy, uh, uh, Andrew young boy, James young boy. They were all kids, except for Peter. Peter was actually, by you know, historical study, Peter was actually the oldest. And so when you now think about that, you're thinking about like wow so that's why peter was the one that that that, that was like the boldest and all those things he was the older one he'll be looked at like the bigger brother of the group and so when you think about this follow me when you think about this you see as peter is you know picked by god he comes into this relationship with jesus and he's walking with Jesus, and he becomes Jesus's bodyguard. He becomes Jesus's main person. I'm talking about Peter was, was a guy that spoke out when wouldn't nobody else speak out. Peter was a guy that just launched out on faith. Bible talks about how they were in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the sea, and Jesus is walking on water, coming down the middle of the storm, uh, and... All the disciples see him walking and don't know what he is. They, they think he's a ghost. They get scared. They about to jump out the boat and swim um, because they're so scared. And Jesus speaks out and says, peace be still. Or or no, he says, um, he says, he says, uh, basically, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter says, you know what? If that's you. Let me walk out to you. Tell me to walk out to you, and and Jesus says, "Come." So Peter, Peter, Peter was bold enough to walk out on water. Uh, there was one time where where these Pharisees were were trying to trip Jesus up, and the Bible says that they were like, uh, they went up to Peter like, "Does your master pay taxes?" And Peter's like, "Yes, he does." And the Bible says Peter didn't even know whether or not Jesus paid taxes or not. He just spoke up and defended him because he wasn't going to let them talk crazy about Jesus. So he speaks up and he says, he says, uh, "No." Well, well, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And the Bible says Peter walks up to Jesus afterward and Jesus already knowing what happened before Peter could even tell him what happened. Jesus tells him, hey, Peter, go to the lake, pick uh, uh, grab this fish. As soon as you grab the fish, open the fish's mouth. You're going to find money when you find the money, pay for your taxes and mine. Like Jesus, Jesus blessed Peter because Peter was the guy that stuck up for him. The Bible talks about how Peter Bible talks about how Peter um, was the only one, when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter was the only one to cry out and say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm talking about Peter was completely gung-ho for God. But Peter had this complex that he could serve God in his own power. Peter really believed that he loved God more than he actually thought he did. And I think a lot of us are like that. I think a lot of us think, well, I haven't masturbated, I haven't slept with anybody, I haven't smoked, I haven't done this, so I must be good with God. I must really love him. I must, I must really have a, a, an amazing relationship with him. And it's nothing of your goodness. It's nothing, it's nothing that you do That makes you pleasing to God. Yes, there is a standard. Yes, there is a way that God wants you to live. Yes, there are things that God pulls us away from because they're not pleasing to him. But it's not you that's doing it. And Peter really believed that he was God's number one man. And so Peter would make these statements about God. Peter would say things like, uh, if everybody else leaves, I'm still going to be here. Everybody else can leave you. I'm still going to be here. Jesus, I'll even die with you. And the Bible says that when Jesus was getting ready to tell them, um, what was getting ready to happen to him, um, and that he had to die and different things of that nature, the Bible says that Peter tells him, um, let me follow you. Let me go, let me go where you're going. And Jesus says, you can't go where I'm going. And Peter says, why can't I go where you're going? I'll even die with you. Everybody else can leave, but I'll be right here. This is in the gospels. And Jesus says, Peter... Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny that you even know me. Before, before, before the rooster crows one time, before the rooster crows in the morning, tonight you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter didn't believe that he actually had that in him. Peter's like, no, I won't. Like, I, I would never do that. I could never do that. I love you too much. And Jesus is like, you don't know. You don't know what you're capable of, Peter. You don't know that it's not your goodness. It's nothing you it's 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 nothing in you. You are prone to do the wrong thing, Peter. And so Peter has to learn the hard way. The Bible says that when Jesus is getting ready to be arrested, Peter takes out his sword and cuts off a man's ear that's coming to arrest Jesus. When he cuts off the man's ear, the Bible says that Jesus puts a new ear on the man and tells Peter, put that sword up. If you live by it, you're going to die by it. And from that point on, when Jesus is taken, all his disciples run and they scatter. Peter follows him from afar off. Peter, I feel like, was embarrassed and offended at what Jesus just told him. Here I am trying to defend you Here I am fighting for you Here I am doing all this for you And you got the nerve to rebuke me In front of these people that's trying to kill you What you mean? What you mean put away my sword They're trying to take you You didn't even do anything wrong And he's trying to get Peter to see Listen, you you don't know my purpose You don't know what I'm trying to do You don't know how messed up you are, Peter And so Peter follows him The Bible says from afar off And as Peter is following the trial, the illegal trial they're having for Jesus, and he's doing that, the Bible says that uh, he's warming up his hands by a fire, and a man walks up to him and says, hey, man, weren't you with Christ? And you got to understand, at this time, to even say that you were with Jesus, at that point in time, you were going to die. Like, they weren't just killing him. They were trying to kill anything connected to him. They were trying to get him up out of there. You understand? And so they say, they say, they say hey, weren't you, weren't, you, weren't you with him? And Peter, at this point, the stakes are too high. One, Peter's a little offended at what Jesus said. But two, to even say that you're with him is going to cost you something now. Now, now it's actually going to cost you to say, hey, I'm a Christian. Now it's actually going to cost you to say, hey, I was with him. And with all that in his mind, Peter is like, I, I don't know that, man. I don't know what you're talking about and then the bible says another person comes up to him this is all like 3 hours after peter just told jesus i'm ready to die with you another person comes up to him and says hey man weren't you weren't you with him like aren't aren't you aren't you aren't you with him now notice how they're only going up to peter and asking peter this because peter was purposefully loud in front of in front of Everybody about Jesus. Peter was loud about his Christian faith. Peter was posting it on Facebook. Peter Peter switched his status to Christian. Peter is now rebuking atheists and telling them how they ain't nothing and all this type of stuff. Peter is loud for Jesus. And they like, man, hey, dude, weren't you with him? Now that times done got bad, don't get quiet now, weren't you? Weren't you with him? (laughs) Hmm. Peter says, I do not know what you're talking about. I was not with him. I I am not one of his disciples. Bible says that when Peter says that, a little girl, a little girl comes up to Peter. And she says, hey, sir, you you had to be with him because your speech betrays you. What was she saying? You had to be with him because you sound like him. You are around him enough to now pick up the way that he taught. You know, you are you sure you're not a Christian? Because you sure sound really clean. <laughs> and she says that to him. The Bible says Peter cusses her out. Peter swears to her. He cusses at this little gr- this little girl. And a part of what made him cuss her out was fear. It was fear that if they find out that I really am this person, They're gonna kill me too, and I'm not ready to die for him. Yeah, I said I love him, but I'm not, I don't love him like I thought I did. You see this? You see this story? So Peter cusses the little girl out. Blank a blank, beep, 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 blank. I was not with him. I do not know him. And guys, the book of Luke, I believe, says that when he says this, he turns his head, looks to the side, And Jesus is looking at him eye to eye. (laughs) Jesus is looking directly at him. And when Jesus is looking at him, the Bible says, and then the words of Jesus flash in Peter's mind. And he remembers. You said that I was going to deny you. He remembers all the times he told him, I love you more than them. I'm more saved than them. All, all, all of those little boys can leave and be scared, but I'm, but I'm gonna be right here. He remembers that, and the Bible says that he then runs and leaves the whole scene, crying bitterly. He cried his eyes out. He cried his eyes out because the man that I love, the God that I said I serve, at his darkest moment, I. I I left him. I really did what he said I would do, but what I never thought I would do. And Jesus is looking at him eye to eye the moment he does it, because Jesus, I believe, wants him to see, Peter, I've always saw this person. I've always saw this in you. I've always known the real you, but now you see it. You didn't let me down, Peter. You killed your own expectations of what you thought you were supposed to do when you came with me. No, Peter, I've always seen you. And I'm looking directly at you in your lowest moment to let you know, I've seen you. And this is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Because you can't do the right thing on your own. You can't live right on your own, Peter. Peter runs and he weeps very bitterly. He runs, he weeps. We all know Jesus Jesus dies on the cross dies for our sins, the most amazing thing happens in history, but it is the darkest time. It is the darkest time. Because for us, we know the end of the story. We know Jesus gets back up on the third day. And if you are super religious, and and you're listening to this podcast, and you come in, you know, you come from church, and you come from that different type of style, you know, for me to even just say, and on the third day, You just went into a fit. You just headbutt two walls. You slapped two old ladies and you rolled down the street. You are out of it because that just blesses you on the third day. God got up now for them. They didn't know the end of the story. They didn't know, you know, they, they heard God say it. They knew what he said in his word, but when it happened, they, they were shattered because they believed this was God. How could he die? I'm, I watched him died the worst death. I'm looking at him on the cross as a sack of meat. I believe the Bible says in Isaiah that you wouldn't even recognize whether or not he was a man or a woman. Jesus' intestines were showing. Desecrated. He was completely stripped. And my hopes and my dreams sat on that cross. These disciples were in distress, guys. They they did not know. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. And for three days, the Bible says they were hidden. They were hiding themselves because of the fear of the Jews. The Jews were still looking for the followers of Jesus. They wanted to wipe the memory of Christ off the earth. Sounds like today. And we know in the book of John chapter 20, God appears to Mary. And he comforts her and and lets her know, hey, go get my disciples and Peter. Tell them to come on. You know, and the Bible says that, you know, Jesus rises again on the third day, appears to Mary, John chapter 20. Then he appears to the disciples. They're all sitting in a room. He walks in the room in uh, John chapter 20, verse 19, uh, walks in the room and walks through the wall while the doors were shut. And tells them, peace be unto you. They finally see him again. And it's like, oh, my God, he's here. And he is completely God and completely man. He's so God that he's walking through the wall. He's so man that he eats when he comes back. And so, like, they are just, this is God in this room. They are they are amazed. And God appears to Peter. He appears to all of them. And the Bible says he, he blows on them. He breathes on them, verse 22 of John chapter 20, and says, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. He breathes on them and says, I'm coming into you now. Listen, I didn't just come to be on the side of you like I was with Adam in the garden. No, 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 no. I came to get closer than your skin because I have to live this life through you. You can't love me on your own. You need me to love me. So now when I come into you, you're not gonna run away anymore when things get hard. You're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna flee when stuff gets difficult you're not gonna go anymore when things get difficult and Christ comes into you at the moment that you accept him and you give yourself over to him I accept your sacrifice I believe that you died for me I believe that you did what you did something happened on the inside of you that made you a new creature you really changed you really changed and he breathes on them and says receive the Holy Ghost and when he says receive the Holy Ghost They've encountered him. The only person that wasn't there was Thomas. But then Thomas gets his encounter later on down the chapter. And what happens now is so powerful. And this is the end of the podcast. I just want to lay this last thing on you. What happens now is so powerful because although he encountered them again, although he came back and although their hopes and their dreams are now just seem like they're just coming back to life, the Bible says that, In John chapter 21, he appears to them a third time, but this time he appears in a different situation. That after he encountered them and after he did all these different things, the Bible says that Peter, even after that encounter, he looks at the disciples and he says, in verse 3, John chapter 21, verse 3, he says, I'm going fishing. Now, Peter was a fisher before Christ had encountered him. Peter was a fisherman before Christ ever came into his life. That was his profession. That was his life. That was what he knew. He was a fisherman. Peter says, I'm going fishing. And in a sense, he's like saying, I'm going back to what I was doing before. I tried this whole walk out. I tried this whole life out. It didn't work. It didn't work. I tried to follow God with everything. It just didn't work. I didn't have enough in me. I let him down. I I just can't. I'm going fishing. I'm going back to what I was before. All the disciples looked at him and was like, "We, well, we gonna go with you because he's still a leader and he's bringing people with him. He goes and he says, you know what? I'm going fishing. And the Bible says, when they go, they go into the ship immediately. And that night, they didn't catch anything. They caught nothing. He went back to his old life and spent all night getting nothing, just trying. And the Bible says, but when the morning was now come, this is verse four, John chapter twenty-one, verse four. When the morning came, Jesus was standing on the shore, and it is this. And his disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. And the Bible says, the Bible says that they were stand, that that they were there all night, just fishing and fishing and fishing, catching nothing. And when the morning came, when the sun came up, Jesus is standing there on the shore. And guys, I think Jesus was standing there the whole time that they were fishing. I think Jesus watched them for at least a couple of hours, try their own way, try to make something work without him. And he just watched them fail at trying to do it their way, at trying to find some semblance of peace in what they're doing. He watched them just work and work and try and try. And then he asked them this question in verse 5. He says, children, do you have any meat? What is he asking them? Have you found anything? I mean, you've been trying to live your life without me. You've been trying to you've been trying to do your own thing, Peter. Tell me something. Have you found anything? Did you find what you was looking for? Did you find the peace you were looking for? Did you find any meat? Have you found anything that filled you yet? Have you found anything that sustained you yet? Have you found something that works without me yet? And they look at him and they say, no. And they still don't know that that's him talking to them. (laughs) Sometimes God will come in your life in a way where you don't even know that that's God talking. You don't even know that God is using this stranger on the street. You don't even know that God is using your student in the classroom. You don't even know that God is using your cousin Fred while he's drunk. And talking through him, saying, hey, man, you know, this life you live in is not working. And he looks at them and says, you know, do you have any meat? Has this sustained you yet? They say no. And Jesus says, well, cast your net on the right side of the ship. And then you're going to (laughs) find. And I know by this time, Peter's looking at this strange man because he doesn't know it's Jesus. And he's like, dude, I've been fishing all my life. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? What are you talking? What are you saying right now? I've been fishing all my life. Who are you to tell me? What I need to do. You don't know. You, you, you don't know what you do. I I I listen, I fish. I know what I'm doing. But something inside of him intrigues him. And I guess he's like, you know what? Let's just do what he said. He he's acting like he's acting like it's a big difference between the left side and the right side. The fish are all around the boat. If if there are no fish on the left side, there are no fish on the right side. What what is the difference between me casting it to the right side and me casting it to the left? What is he talking about? And he cast it onto the right side. And the net gets so full that they're about to sink the ship. There is no difference between the left side of the ship and the right side of the ship. But what Jesus was trying to show was that the little bit you do that I asked you to do, the little switch of sides will cause increase to come to your life, will cause you to find what you've been looking for. All they did was change sides and everything changed. All they did was follow his instruction to do the little and everything changed. But I want to impress something to you that maybe what they were supposed to find, because remember he says, cast it onto the right side and you're going to find, maybe what they were supposed to find wasn't the fish. Maybe it wasn't about the fish at all. Because the Bible says that as soon as they cast it onto the right side and all the fish came into the net and the net almost went in, like the the ship almost sunk. The Bible says that John looked and tapped everybody and said, y'all, that's Jesus on the shore. And Peter puts on his clothes and jumps in the water and goes to Jesus. They found out that that was actually Jesus the whole time leading them. In the right direction. Just when he did what God told him to do, he found out that Jesus had been there this whole time. That was what he found. It wasn't about the fish. That's why he jumped in the water and left the fish. It was about realizing that God's always been here helping you to do what he needs you to do. Peter runs and he flies over there and he's happy. Bible says when he gets there, Jesus has fish cooking on some stones for him. And, you know, Jesus had to be a great chef. Jesus has these fish cooking on these stones. And the Bible says that when they're sitting down there and they're eating, Peter's back and he's happy. And Jesus looks at him on verse 15 of John 21. And guys, I'm going I'm to shut up in two seconds. But Jesus looks at him. And this is so this is so important. Um, I'm looking at the King James Version. Jesus says. Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And I think when Jesus is asking him, do you love me more than these? He's asking him, he's asking him, do you love me more than the fish you caught? Do you love me more than the thing I just did for you? Do you love me more than the thing I just gave to you? Do you, do you, do you love me more than them? And do you love me more than the disciples that are here right now? Do you still think you love me that much, Peter? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he says, feed my lambs. Then Jesus asks him again. And he says, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And then he asks him again a third time. And he says, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? And Peter's grieved, the Bible says, because he asked him a third time. But guys, as I researched this, I found out something powerful. I found out that the way Jesus was asking him, do you love me, was a different te- was a different word than what Peter was answering him with. For an example, there are four loves in Greek culture. There's Eros, there's Agape, there's Phileo, um, and there's another one that I forgot off the top of my head. And when Jesus is asking him, Do you love me? Jesus is using the word agape. And agape means unconditional, fully surrendered, without without the needing, without needing the proper alignment of circumstances. Like I don't need everything to be right. It is a willful love and full devotion. That's what agape is. Fully devoted, fully sold out, fully given over. Jesus says, do you agape me? Do you, are you fully devoted to me? And the way, and the word Peter uses when he answers him is the word phileo. And phileo is the friend, is, is, is the love that you have for a friend. It's a strong affection for, but it's, it's, it's only a love built on common interests. Only when these things work out, will I love you. And so when Jesus says, Simon, are you fully devoted to me? Simon says, Lord, you know, I love you like a friend. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? And then Jesus, when He asks him the second time, Jesus uses the word agape again. He says, "Simon, do you agape me? Are you are you fully devoted to me?" And Peter answers and says, "Lord, you know I you you know I have a strong affection for you. I don't." I can't can't tell you that I'm fully in love with you right now. I can't tell you that I'm fully devoted to you right now. I let you down too many times. I can't tell you that I love you that much. There are still other things that I want, God. I still enjoy fishing. I still enjoy going and trying to find my own. I want to love you that way, but I just have a strong affection. I don't have what you're asking me, do I have? But I got something. And then the third time, Jesus says to him, Simon, do you phileo me? He switches the meaning. He's not asking agape anymore. He's asking him, well, Simon, do you have a strong affection for me? And Simon says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I have a strong affection. You know that I have a phileo love. You know that I love you. I just don't have that strong devotion. And And Peter's grieved because Peter feels like God is, disappointed in the fact that he doesn't love him the way that he should at right now. But God did all that to just show Peter, I know you don't love me like you think you do. I've been trying to prove that to you this whole time. But I'm going to meet you at your level of love and teach you how to agape me. I'm going to teach you how to be fully devoted, how to really give your life, I know that you still got these things that you're still struggling with. I know that you're fighting these things off. Guys, I struggled with drugs for six years. God knew I was struggling. God knew I was fighting. And he knew I just phileoed him and I didn't agape yet. And he showed me how to agape by me letting go of the standard I put on myself and by accepting his standard for me. Peter was grieved because he had set a high standard for himself. He thought that he was supposed to be perfect. And God is like, dude, I make you perfect. I make you right. You need me to love me. And I think that that's what God has us on right now. That's what God's trying to show us right now, that we need him in order to love him. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's a beauty in that. From that point on, Peter was able to wait on the Holy Spirit, be filled with him. And Peter, at the end of his life, history tells us he was crucified upside down. He died the same type of death as God, same type of death as Jesus. But when they wanted to crucify him right side up, Peter says, turn me over because I'm not worthy to die like him. Through his relationship and through his time, Peter became so devoted to Christ that he was willing to die for him. And it wasn't because he built his own devotion, but it was because he allowed God to help him and teach him how to love him and be in relationship, he understood that God wasn't playing games with him, that he loved him beyond words. And guys, that is what God wants to share with you today. He wants to help you in this relationship. You're not by yourself. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode one. I know it was really long. I hope you listened to some of it and it will not be long like this all the time. But I want you to subscribe to this channel and subscribe to my pages on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Norris Johnson II I, on everything. Follow my website, norrisjministries.com again, that's norrisjministries.com and I'll see you next Wednesday. You've just been tuned into The Preach Christ podcast. God bless.